0: Hey, everybody, it's Rev Yearwood, your host of The Coolest Show. Right now, enjoy part two of the HBCU Climate Change Conference conversation here on The Coolest Show. This is The Coolest Show brought to you by hip-hop caucuses. Think 100%.
1: It's the coolest show, you know, keep the
0: culture connected. It's the coolest show, you know.
1: Yeah, 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 respect the expert level information, entertainment, education. Rev here, we got you covered as you hit your destination. Climate rules, everything around me. cream For those who lost focus, close your eyes and just dream. Open your third eye, now the world is your own.
0: everybody. It's Rev Yearwood here at the 9th Annual HBCU Climate Change Conference. I'm here with Patricia Adams from Black Millennials for Flint. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good.
0: You know, I'm so excited to talk to you. And I was just saying that, one, this conference is you. Mm. Because, one, you went to HBCU.
1: I sure did. Proud Tennessee State University graduate. The illustrious.
0: Yeah, the illustrious. Listen, listen. Uh, fun fact: um, Tennessee State now has an ice hockey team. Yes. That's amazing.
1: Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean, crossing all sorts of barriers. Yeah,
0: le- leading the way. <laughs>
1: that's right.
0: So that's fun. So shout out to Tennessee State on that. Also, know you're a member, a proud member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, indeed. Incorporated.
1: Incorporated. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go
0: ahead and uh, remember. No, that's not, I, mean, I, I can't remember which one I used to always do. I used to know all the steps for everybody.
1: My knees don't allow me to do too much <laughs> these days.
0: <laughs> that's good. Mine but I was going back then, so I, I can't tell you. I was, um, and on top of that, I know you're from Memphis, Tennessee.
1: I am. I am. A lot of history in, yeah. in good
0: Memphis, Tennessee, indeed. I got a lot of love for Memphis. Yeah,
1: I'm glad. I'm biased. But definitely love to hear that.
0: Yeah, well, one, Hip Hop Caucus almost officially started in Memphis. Mm. So I was working for Russell Simmons and mm. doing like a lot of other hip hop work at the time. Yeah. And we knew we needed to create something bigger.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was April 4th, 2004.
1: Oh, wow. And we were
0: invited to the Lorraine Motel for mm. a celebration. And it was at that moment we knew we had to create a hip hop caucus.
1: Wow! Yeah,
0: so we actually celebrate. So our official day is September 11th, mm-hmm. 2004. We 20 years next year. Yeah. But our our kind of our real day when we think mm-hmm. about the inspiration mm-hmm. is 444.
1: I love that. Yeah. No. I learned something. No, no, no. <laughs> that's, that's a
0: lot. Obviously, and obviously, I, it's, and Memphis has a lot of. I don't know if you know. The Hooks family.
1: Oh, indeed. Oh, that's indeed. What's up. Yeah, that is definitely a, a staple legacy in, yeah. in the city.
0: Good good people. Indeed. I was also close, um, rest, in, rest in peace, Young Dolph.
1: Oh, yeah. Ooh, that was we're hard. still mourning that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm actually going to lead there. So let's we'll talk about that off the back. Because, you know, mm-hmm. you're part of the Weeds Act we're going to get to, which is the White House Environmental Justice. Council, right? Mm-hmm. Did I say that all right?
1: Yeah, advisory council. It's advisory a council. Well, oh, I
0: like it. Advisory <laughs> I took out the advisory Y'all need to be just doing what I need to do. I know, right? <laughs> in, that, in that process. So the thing for me is, let's talk about that, because Memphis, um, Tyree Nichols was killed,
1: mm-hmm. right? Yes.
0: And Tyree Nichols was killed by police, predominantly all black at the time, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah.
0: Which was devastating. And so I want to bring that. How do you connect the dots between climate justice and racial justice?
1: Yeah, so first of all, it is very much so inherently interconnected, um, you know, very intersectional. Um, So from my opinion, when I think about the connection um, really centering around climate justice, I think about all of the outcomes or results that come from us being in this moment right, Mm -hmm. in in climate change. I think about the impact that it has on mental health. Mm. And a lot of times, especially in in cities like Memphis and other cities that we work in that are predominantly black cities, you already have a lot of things on your mind to begin with, right? So let's address the pink elephant in the room, right supremacy is all around us. When you add in aspects of climate change, it does impact you from an economic perspective, Um, again, from a mental health dep- mental health perspective, because I'll give you a quick example. So specifically um, in Memphis, um, my father passed away in December 2022. He was only 65 years old. Wow. Um, where I'm he? to get it. Thank you. Uh, where he grew up. Uh, in his foundational years and where my parents met mm-hmm. um, is a community called Riverside in the heart of South Memphis. Okay. Um, South Memphis in this particular community was one of the few communities where black people could live mm-hmm. during Jim Crow. And so in the middle of this community is a refinery. It's a Valero mm-hmm. refinery. Um, literally um, beside the Valero refinery is a park. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are literally homes across the street also adjacent to this refinery is all sorts of other toxins, and it's surrounded by railway. And it's a highway that splits right in between wow. this particular community. So you're talking about a trifecta of pollution. So think about how all of those different things like come into play, how that impacts your, your public health, the cumulative body burden that exists for living in um, a community that is ridden by so much pollution. And then thinking about how that intersects with all the other isms Mm -hmm, that exist. mm -hmm. Um, Another aspect that I I have to uplift, um, and I'm glad that you started uh, with the the basis of my hometown, I also think about how anti-blackness shows up, um, even with ourselves. You know, it's not cliche to say all skin folk ain't kin folk. Um, When you mentioned Tyree Nichols and the fact that this young black man was murdered by other black men, we have to address how anti-blackness, how classism also has a part to play and all the things that still surround climate justice, right, and environmental racism. So we not only see issues like this happening with the case with Tyree Nichols, we see a failure of government at the local level while you have some champions who work, on the other side, but we also have to understand that the structure of our government was always meant for us to fail. It wasn't designed for us to be liberated, right? In fact, it was created to keep a foot on our necks. And so, Well, let's talk about that real quick. I want (laughs) to,
0: you're hitting on a very important part, because in that, being in Memphis, and we're gonna get to (laughs) all the great work you guys do in Mm -hmm. the city, I know you're in Baltimore, I know you're obviously in Flint, and so forth and so on. But I wanted, we want to do it at Memphis because Memphis is important because that's Dr. King. That's right. Right? That's where he was assassinated. That's where he, he, he gave his last, most, one of his most powerful speeches, mm-hmm. Mountaintop, uh, and all of that, right? Yeah. So you would think that there's ever a place. I know. That would be the center and the bastion of liberation. Yeah. It'd be Memphis.
1: Yeah. But what
0: you're saying, that's not the case. And you're also (sighs) saying that we ourselves are our own worst enemy.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So, and thank you for shouting out um, that connection with MLK, which honestly is one of the foundational places for the EJ movement, mm-hmm. even though much love to Warren County um, in North Carolina, but that work with the sanitation worker strike, it was an intersection of environment and labor. Thanks. Right? Um, so I wanted to pinpoint that. Um, but while there is, you know, challenges um, that exist in, in, in cities like like Memphis, there is a beacon of hope. Mm. So, you know... Big shout-out, you know, I'm going to pop my own collar in the words of 3-6. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you I that. believe that people like me, young people, I would be remiss if I didn't uplift, for example, Representative Justin Pearson. You have young right. people who are not afraid to challenge the status quo. Yep. Um. I also want to uplift, Um. some people may know and may not know.
0: And the um, behavior pipeline fight and all that.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. indeed. That was a victory. That now, was you a had, victory. you know... White supremacy was really coming down hard, but that is a perfect example of how community comes together to fight against something that we know Mm -hmm. is gonna cause harm. Um, But, you know, in in addition to that, um, I would say that this new generation, and millennials too, but with Gen Z also, I really see us as really turning and making a pivot. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it's going to take a you know Rome wasn't built overnight and to you know dismantle white supremacy is going to take a while you know it's 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 a marathon um, but also you know in in addition to that i think it's also important to recognize how Coming from a place like Memphis, we inherently have some strong community organizing skills. Um, And I think, like, growing up in an environment like Memphis, where it is over 65% Black, um, there is a, a sense of community where I've lived in other places but something is just very unique about Memphis and connecting it back from a historical perspective it was regular everyday people that initiated the sanitation workers' oh. strike it wasn't your black boulet it wasn't your black bourgeois <laughs> let's let's make it plain I might step on some toes no, but please, it was your everyday now. People that were fighting not just for their rights, but for their dignity. Mm -hmm. And I think that even despite some of the toils that we tussle with still um, in Memphis, we still lean so heavily on the legacy of of, of the movement and how we really have to be persistent for for change.
0: So you mentioned so much there. and You mentioned earlier um, about your pops. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask you, who is Patricia Adams.
1: Yeah. Um, so I've had an interesting journey to get to this point. Come on. Um, man. So, first of all, you know, again, proud Memphis native. Um, at one point in my life, for a long time, I used to be an educator. Okay. So I used to be a K 12 educator. Um, I'm bilingual. I can see that. You can see that. I can I love definitely see it. You, feel
0: you, feel it? you feel Keeping it. the little ones' attention.
1: Yeah, so I taught middle school and high school. I taught Spanish. Okay. That's exciting. That was exciting in for Memphis. the kids. Um, I actually taught in Nashville. Um, I okay. did have an opportunity. I'm going to say, I can hear the um, Spanish
0: my... with a little Tennessean <laughs> accent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a whole walk in diversity situation. <laughs> I, going love, on it. Right I here. love it. I love it. But But honestly, the reason why I mentioned that aspect around working in schools, you will never find a better advocate and community organizer than a teacher, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to support. You can't pick and choose the babies that come in your room. Mm -hmm. You can't pick and choose um, who you advocate for. Mm -hmm. And I think that has really helped me along this journey where I never would have thought that I would have been in this arena around environment, but it all was connected to to children and to families, and particularly the families that I serve were black and and Latinx families. So when I talk about who I am um, and not just making it connected to a career, but I am very much so of the belief that to be a teacher from a biblical perspective is a spiritual
0: calling. And
1: while I'm not in the classroom anymore with the babies, but I very much so still think that I operate as an educator.
0: That's great. Yeah. So... (laughs) So in that, you obviously go from that. You begin to, and we've already had an episode, uh, and I think season two, when we actually had one of your, your co-founders.
1: Yes, Michelle Mapson. Yeah, we had Michelle Mapson
0: <laughs> on. I think that was like episode thirty-six. makes sure sense the right one, but <laughs> if you go to go to the archives, you'll find it. And so, tell folks again, what is Black Women's for Flint? Because mm-hmm. actually, you should give a... Now, you, now you give a actually, yeah. you'll give a, a updated version because back yeah. then it was kind of more. On the beginning side. We were in the thick of it in the beginning. Yeah. So yeah. now you've kind of progressed. So tell us where, where you are now, mm-hmm. where, what you're working on, and connecting climate justice and environmental justice together.
1: Yeah. So with Black Millennials for Flint, um, we it, it literally is in the title of who we are. So in the wake of the Flint water crisis, we kind of felt, and I'm not going to disparaging anyone. But we felt like in the beginning of the crisis that some of our historical civil rights organizations Mm -hmm. weren't really pushing in the way that they needed to to support Flint, especially in the beginning. And so a millennial fashion, we used to be the youngest. We're not anymore. Stand up Gen Z. Um, Time is flying. Um, Uh, But essentially, we didn't wait and we're like, we got to do something. And so we first started out like how a lot of people did with a lot of outreach. They needed water first and foremost. Mm -hmm. But then we realized that's not going to get to the systemic issue that caused the Flint water crisis to exist altogether. Um, Then it began to grow. It's not just Flint where it's lead issues, it's 15,000 lead service lines in my hometown. But you know what, I would not have even known that until the work that happened with these black organizers on the ground in Flint, Michigan, right? Mm -hmm. So Flint really changed the trajectory around a lot of people's understanding of environmental justice, um, but then also really taking a look in your own backyard. Mm. Uh, Making that connection back to um, climate justice and environmental justice, it's not just lead, it's all of the things, right? So I think about like, Water quality, we're not only up against lead service lines. We got to be up against, like, or we have to be knowledgeable about PFAs, for Mm -hmm. example. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that. Um, We also have to think about not just in our urban communities, but our brothers and sisters in rural. You know, with me being a, a Native Southerner, um, my like daddy that. was born in Senatobia, Mississippi. So okay. when you think about rural aspects where we are, black folks are, there becomes a whole nother litany of environmental issues that are, are pervasive, that hit communities that look like mine. Mm. Um, to date, you know, we started in Flint, but you know, we have to represent and and reach capacity to touch folks where we know that there are other similar issues. So, you know, we got our boots in the ground, started in 2015, established the organization in 2016. Um, We now work on the ground, as you mentioned earlier, in my hometown as well, of course Flint, Michigan, Baltimore, and also the District of Columbia. Um, (laughs) We also (laughs) have established a really robust um, presence and influence as it relates to uh, federal policy. Mm -hmm. um, And what makes us really unique. While, again, at first, millennials were the youngsters in the beginning. Time is flying. But we also want to make this intergenerational and make sure that as we engage with Gen Z, that we give them a platform, but an informed platform um, as well. So we we really base how we operate on the concept of Sankofa, Mm. right? Like reaching back. Yep. You know, we hope that we will work ourselves out of business, that we truly will reach environmental justice. But we know right now that it's going to take really pushing into the next generation um, of environmental justice leaders so that we could truly seek that climate justice, seek environmental justice.
0: Well, I, I want to, I mean, like I said before, thank you so much for this yeah. time. I want to, there's a question I want to ask, and that's I want to make sure we get to that question. Cause I, but I want to make sure you know there's a part two to this. I don't, <laughs> I didn't want to take you into the deep, deep, deep question. Like, well, dang, man, you gave me this deep question, and now <laughs> it's over? So it's not, we're going to have more time All right. to talk. So the question, this is the question. You, you kind of referenced it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was around the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and the old guard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel that the groups like Black Blooms for Flynn, mm-hmm. uh, Hip Hop Caucus, yeah. and other people of color, uh, predominant people of color, predominantly young people, mm-hmm. um, folks from the queer community, folks from indigenous communities, mm-hmm. those, those communities need to be leading on this fight. Yes. That structurally, we are not in a good position to be led by predominantly white organizations
1: that's right okay
0: so the question now because you have gotten tons of awards from aba and a whole bunch of other mm. folks giving you this, just, they're just <laughs> stacking up your trophy case there mm-hmm. which is a blessing that, that's a good thing because i mean you're doing good work the question for you now and you're working obviously with the white house or as advisory council and you're doing other great things how do we Begin to lift up our organizations mm-hmm. for our people that isn't still connected to white supremacy.
1: Ooh, we you just spoke a word in that question. So I think I'ma actually channel Fannie Lou Hamer right quick. So sometimes when I'm I'm in these these spaces that are predominantly white, I have to channel a Fannie Lou Hamer and I don't code switch and I have to make it plain Mm -hmm. and really not just address it but say it but advocate for our folks to be in spaces where they are leading the charge. Mm -hmm. So what that looks like is we have to shift our culture of tokenism and not being excited to say, I was the only black person in this space or Mm -hmm. only Latino. And we hear that a lot and that's a little bit irritating to me and I want to flip that Flip that on its head. Mm-hmm. We can't celebrate that. That's not a celebration. So when we are in spaces where they're talking about environment, we're the ones that that get impacted with the br- and bear the brunt of all of these environmental mm-hmm. injustices. It's nothing that you can tell me. We carry that na- that narrative, and so I absolutely agree with with, with what you're saying. Where we have to. One, be very bold in how we interact with people who call themselves allies. Mm. If you are truly an ally, you need to be in the back. You need to take you know you need to take all of the, the demands and requests from the frontline community members. And what that looks like is saying just that. So if we're partnering or collaborating with a, a big green organization, you don't lead this work. <laughs> You come in and you do what we need you to do. That may look like you providing resources, okay? But then not stipulating what I do in my work because it's connected to money. If you are gonna give this money, give this money and trust that the people who are being impacted are gonna do what they need to do, right? Mm. The other part of that is (laughs) funneling resources. Stop allowing these big green organizations to be pass-throughs for resources where we have the acumen and know-with-all to be resilient and diligent with those resources ourselves. Mm. So to be honest, I, I will even say with this current administration bringing it back to federal, I'm not going to lie, that's been a real interesting space for mm. big greens because you are starting to see, like, Organizations like Dr. Beverly Rice's organization, We Act with Miss Peggy, where they're turning the corner of what we want all EJ organizations yes. to be, where you don't have to be so connected and dependent on these white institutions, and this is a perfect example of what black resiliency looks like when we're able to operate with our own resources and not have to literally work and beg for pennies from people that would not even exist and couldn't get their, the funding that they have now had it not been on the back of black and brown
0: people. Mm, my lord. <laughs> well, on that note, I just got one last thing, two last things to ask you. Who is the best homecoming?
1: The best homecoming. Best homecoming. Well, I'm biased. The again, once more, illustrious Tennessee State University to the mighty band of the South. That's not even up for debate. It's a time. In fact, I am here in Tennessee State University's homecoming is happening right now. So my love for <laughs> well, this work is deep, it's right? Deep. It's deep. <laughs> shout out! I would be remiss not to shout out Howard University. Now that uh, homecoming is, is, pretty
0: dope. Yeah. So, I'm gonna give so it we go. Yeah, we going through the best <laughs> homecomers here. I, some folks in the room may have heard missed that that Tennessee State number number one Howard was number two. They <laughs> may they they may have missed that that comment. Uh, Latricia Adams, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Uh,
0: keep up the great work.
1: Likewise. Um, and
0: just keep doing what you're doing, and, and don't forget, please, 12 Caucus is here for you. Yeah. So no I call on you. Please, please do. <laughs> and you. I'm Rev you with your host of the coolest show. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Follow us at Think100 Climate and hip-hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolesshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and all power to the peace. It's the coolest show you know. It's the coolest show you know.